everyone. No calls this week, so we are going to go right to some questions. First up, what's your go-to or favorite streaming service for horror movies or series? Uh, I'm going to take the layup and say Shudder and Bloody Disgusting TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good boy. (laughs) I'm learning. Awesome. Since I just stole Xena's Bloody Disgusting TV, how about you, Xena? Um, okay, I'm going to give my top three because I oh. feel like it depends on, on my mood and what I'm looking for. Tubi, honestly, is like, it, sometimes it's number one, sometimes it's number two. And that's just because, like, there's always just something on there that's on my list. Um, obviously, we all have watch lists that we like to find movies. And sometimes when I can't find it on Hulu or Shutter or wherever, it's majority of the time i want to say like 95 percent of the time it'll be on tubi so plus if you're looking for some series like especially some series from the early 2000s like you might have missed out on highly recommend tubi um and then also midnight pulp i really love midnight pulp because there are movies on there i've never even heard of in my life and that's that's always a cool thing and i'm also going to take you know one from from john you know one um besides from bloody disgusting tv shutter <laughs> You know, and if I was doing like a top four, top five, Netflix, (laughs) honestly, when it comes to the international, all of them, just take all of them. I want them. It depends on your mood. You know, it's like you can't just only go to one. Yeah. So, okay, that's that's true. You two do talk or or sing the praises of Netflix as far as the international horror selection. And that's usually a blind spot for me. And it's hard because they don't really promote that stuff really well you know it's Mm -hmm. like they're they're focused they have limited bandwidth and it's focusing on the stuff that they know for sure has an audience which is the domestic stuff uh but yeah right uh i feel like trying to think of stuff that hasn't been covered because i agree with xena midnight pulp is really great especially if you're into asian horror because they go deep uh they're um shutter is obvious the go-to scream box will probably be some worthy content like a contender there um bloody disgusting is now driving that ship which means that they're working on getting a library built up so that'll be awesome um stuff that hasn't been covered i usually find myself hopping on pluto tv when you just want to put something on and you don't want to think about it because it's captured that like kind of flipping through basic cable and they've got dedicated horror channels and deep cut stuff too so yeah but otherwise i feel like we've kind of we've kind of covered hulu i i'm I'm gonna give some love to hulu also because they're pretty good about getting some new releases you know that not like the huge theatrical stuff but i'm talking like censor um some of the other new releases of the year that should be talked about so like i don't know i feel like every kind of streaming app that has uh you know a, a space for horror is at least worth seeking out yeah hulu is my other blind spot but not not and not specifically for foreign language but just for any horror whatsoever yeah it's there mm-hmm. but yeah it's one of those things where you kind of have to you have to search for it like a little bit harder than i feel like you should but i also feel like that about tubi also because tubi's catalog is so good and if you're looking uh like i have a roku and if i'm browsing on roku they're only going to show me 200 slots and it's you know so you have to just <laughs> but considering their catalog which is in the thirty thousand plus 
Like oh, the geez. if you look on Tubi's website, their catalog of horrors and it's it's a lot, like way above mm. two two hundred. And what that selection is in that window isn't gonna you know you're gonna miss out on stuff unless you're specifically looking for it, or you have people like me and Zena who will spend an insane amount of time scouring through their catalog and writing about what you should watch. So yeah, yeah. What I've noticed is also on Tubi, it's like about to leave when those pop up, which frankly, I think every streaming service should do that. They sh- highlight the, it's about to go away. Make sure to watch it. They should, but it's tricky because Shudder used to do that, but Shudder, like, mm-hmm. they, I don't think they do that anymore. And I think that's because sometimes it, it's hard to keep up with what's coming and going, especially as licenses mm-hmm. expire like mid month, like when they had the Nightmare on Elm Street catalog, it also put the documentary in there, which wasn't actually leaving. So, yeah, I think they sure. that kept, got hard to keep up with. So, bravo to Tubi, because that's not easy. Tubi, yeah. not to keep singing Tubi's praises, although I think they did sponsor us at some point. So, thanks, Tubi. Uh, I've been able to find a lot of phone footage stuff on Tubi a lot easier than I have on other services. Like, a lot of times if you... Like, either I will have to do a Google search, like found footage movies and hope someone has written an article about current streaming services, or more often than not, like if I go to Amazon Prime and I type in found footage, usually what it does will pull up the keywords, not the genre. So it's difficult, but Tubi's actually pretty good about it. If you put that in, it will populate it. So there have been a few that I've found lately where I'm like, I never even heard of that, but that's pretty good. One of which I was going to talk about and I totally forgot to. Maybe next week. Write yourself a note. I know. So Shudder, you still need to get your phone footage channel. I'm still waiting on that. I love you, but phone footage. Just for me. I'll curate. <laughs> for for free. Okay. Second question. Are you guys a fan of home invasion horror movies? If so, which one that's a must watch? Hmm. I'm going to defer to Megan. I am, but I like there to be a twist to it. Like, I don't just want a straightforward home invasion. Um, I think I tend to gravitate towards the ones that are not normal. Like, um, I know that <laughs> very vague, but uh, so Sleep Tight is one that I bring up every time because very few movies have really creeped me out like this one. And it's a home invasion movie, but it's not an average home invasion movie. It's this guy who's like kind of like the concierge of this, this apartment building, and he is so miserable. He is just a dour, hates everything, hates the world, and he wants everybody to be as miserable as he is. So when a new tenant moves in she's just unflappably pleasant and upbeat and uh optimistic and he wants to ruin it so he does so by sneaking into her house every evening and doing things to screw with her to make her miserable and it escalates and it escalates and it's just it sounds way more like harmless than what it is and it's just no he did he was horrible it is the one of the most twisted messed up movies and the first time i watched this i was living alone it was like oh it freaked me out it was it's it's not a happy watch by any stretch so yeah that home invasion freaks me out um a happier one like villains 
and, and it's in the same vein of your next, but this one takes it way more into comedy in the sense that I love the the movies where people break into somebody's house, not realizing that they've just broken into a house where there's somebody way worse than them lying in wait, you know, like your mm. next, she was prepared villains, you know, a couple of burglars, they break into a house and find out that they've got some seriously messed up couple living there. So yeah, I, I love that type of stuff. How about you, Zina? Um, I'm, I'm kind of with Megan, uh, but also I do like the silly stuff sometimes, you know, those always just make my day. Um, like, uh, the movie, the intruder from 2019, Dennis Quaid is in it and he's, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, just his, his facial expression sometimes like, and it's so weird too, because back in like 2003, remember in, um, that movie he played in Cold Creek Manor, mm -hmm. he's the complete opposite. He's on the other end. So in like the 2019 version, he's the psychopath, but then in 2003, he's the normal family man with the psycho man. But yeah, sometimes I like those, but I also do like ones that, um, combine subgenres. Yeah. So that's always fun. Like, yeah, I feel like uh, I talked about Dream Home a lot, you know, because that one was just wild, as well as um, Game Over. I'm always praising about that movie. And even, like, The People Under the Stairs. Like, I remember John was recently talking about it, and I went back to revisit it, and it's been a little while, and it's just such a joy. See? That's what I mean. I feel like if, if that's a, if ho Home Invasion had a subgenre, like a sub-subgenre, people busting into houses, biting off more they, than they can chew, like, that's my favorite, yeah. I think. See, I would much prefer that because I don't watch a ton of home invasion movies. Like, I still haven't seen Hush. That one's good. Oh, I know I'm supposed yeah, to. I think you'll like Everyone's, it. I'm, yeah, I'm sure I will. It's it's one of those where I look at it, and I have so many options, and I look at it, I'm like, I know I'll like this, and then I don't <laughs> watch it. Because <laughs> everyone says I'm going to like it, so I'm like, okay, I agree. I feel like most people have an opposite stance, you know? I'm going to like it, so I'm going to watch it. John's like, no, I'm going to like it, so I'm going to try something else. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, like, especially with horror, like, a lot of times when people are, like, you've got to check this movie out. Yeah. I, I'm i not a contrarian about it. Like, ah, I don't like any of this stuff. I'm like, you're probably right. And then I go watch, you know, Hell House LLC again. <laughs> uh, but I don't, but, so it's a little bit difficult for me to get into the genre. I love the concept of the biting off more they can, they can then they can chew because I adore your next. Yeah. It's so much fun. That was one that, it was another one where people were singing the praises, but I'm not a huge home invasion movie or home invasion fan because like one of the first ones I can even remember really watching was like the strangers mm -hmm. seeing that in the theater and being like, there's too much tension this entire <laughs> time. I want yeah. to relax. Yeah. And then the other one along that, I don't even know if this technically counts as horror, but it, it's so good, or I thought it was so good, is Wait Until Dark. That is, yeah. It's on Shutter now, too. Is it? Okay, yeah. You're talking yes. about Audrey Hepburn, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which I don't watch a lot of 60s movies, even, but that's one that I watched because I think that was... Remember when, uh, way back when AMC did, like, the top 100 horror movies of all time? Yeah. That's what really got me into horror, like, really kind of going through the back catalog. And I remember watching it, that and just being like, Oh, okay, a blind woman and played by Audrey Hepburn and like there's Alan Arkin and like Richard Crenna. It's like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And I'm like, oh <laughs> like it just felt like a tense muscle the whole time, but it was so good at the same time. But I don't necessarily want to keep going back to that well and feel that way. So yes, 
Any suggestions for me for the biting off more than they can chew home invasion would probably be better for me to get into that sub sub genre. Or just ones that maybe don't take themselves too seriously. Like I, I think you might like the vagrant. That's like a horror comedy with Bill Paxton where Oh, oh yeah, that one's it's so <laughs> yeah. that one's funny. Yeah, it's a goofy Something one. where I can just let out a breath. You know, I'm not just waiting for something bad to happen the whole time. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> On the note of waiting for something bad to happen, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, and her new studio, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello, it's me. <laughs> That's studio enthusiasm right there for you, folks. Yeah. That's not gummy bears or grapes. <laughs> and I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, you know, what's been filling your art this week? Well, I'm super proud of myself because this week I stayed away from Ice Cream Man and I decided to watch some new stuff on but, my list. And it's okay if you go to Ice Cream Man. Yeah, yeah, but it was getting out of hand, John. <laughs> I can't keep on talking about the ice cream, man. So uh, the first movie I watched, uh, Coming Home in the Dark from 2021. It's available on Netflix. Ruthless, drift, loop, little, 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 ruthless Drifters take a school teacher and his family on a nightmarish road trip that forces the man to confront his past self. Um, so just in case if you're thinking about taking a hiking family trip or something, um, don't. Or just watch this movie first. <laughs> I'll just say this and I'll just keep it very simple because it is really new. Um, this movie is very bleak, very, very bleak. But for some reason, I could not keep my eyes off of it. Um, it's basically just about a family trip gone wrong. And it has a very strong message that obviously, like, you know, sometimes, well, I won't say that because it's kind of a spoiler. So you know what? You should just watch it. You should check it out. Uh, see how it makes you feel. And um, on a positive note, even though all these horrible things were happening, um, it has a very gorgeous landscape. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the first one. And it's available all on Netflix. So um, then the second one I watch, uh, Thesis, a.k.a. Thesis from 1996. I watched it on DVD. While doing a thesis about violence, a university student finds a snuff video where a girl is tortured to death. Soon she discovers that the girl was actually a former student at her university. So the director, he actually directed, um, I'm not going to try to uh, pronounce this. I was going to, but things are just getting out of control. So I won't. But he basically, <laughs> he made the original movie to uh, the remake of Vanilla Sky. So Vanilla Sky oh. uh, from 2001 was based off of his movie. He also uh, wrote and directed the others. So I knew that it was going to be something um, twisty and turny and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it has a really cool concept about this um, university student. She's into film and she's begin to like begun to work on like her thesis and it's about violence. And at first it's like, I'm not going to lie. She's a little bit annoying because it's like, girl, you were acting like you never watched a horror movie before, <laughs> you know, but maybe she didn't. I don't know. And so um, Anyway, she finds these old films. Um, basically, she's watching like these old films that are considered too violent or too gory. And then, meanwhile, like uh, this professor, like he's like her professor, he was helping her out. He discovers like this hidden room that has like unlabeled VHS tapes. And you know, 
you know, naturally. So, uh, but yeah, the next morning he's found dead. And, you know, Angela, that's the student who's the film student working on her thesis. She finds his body, but instead of telling someone, she just takes the tapes and she runs off with her friend and they watch them. And yeah, they, uh, they start to realize that this is like, these films are like genuine, like snuff films and stuff. And one of the women that they see on the film, she's a missing student. Like they, people haven't seen her like forever. So yeah, it's actually a really cool movie. It has like, um, a lot of twists. It is like a whodunit type of style, which I thought was really fun. Um, when it comes to the gore and the violence, I don't really think it was that bad. So just in case if you're not really into that stuff, I think that you'll enjoy it more. It's more suspenseful and tense um, than anything. So yeah, and then also it's pretty cool to see, um, because of the concept, it's cool to see like uh, people's outlook, some people's outlook when it comes to horror. So, but yeah, so that's what I checked out. And sadly, it's not streaming anywhere, so, which is weird. It's too bad. I always love a good kind of lost VHS snuff film type nine millimeter esque movie. Bummer. Yeah, sorry. I feel like anytime our listeners hear Xena mention Ice Cream Man or John Hell House LLC, they should take a shot of apple juice <laughs> or orange juice, not alcohol, because we might get a little hammered super fast. But yeah. yeah, you might get hammered with all the orange juice you drink in that case. <laughs> you won't get scurvy though. <laughs> Your immune system would be amazing for flu season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I watched The Kindred. It is a 1987 movie that has been stuck on VHS until Synapse finally put it on Blu-ray. I don't know about Yay. you guys, but I put stuff on pre-order and then I forget. I forgot. I... <laughs> what an amazing problem to have. <laughs> do, you, do you not pre-order a lot? No. Oh, I do. I, I pre-order <laughs> I pre-order Blu-rays and like usually, you know, waxwork or Mondo stuff. And then I forget. And then it shows up months later. And I was like, what are you? Um, so all, all of that to say that it came in last week and I was like, what is this? Oh, so yeah. Um, it is about a geneticist. He has his, his mother wakes up from a coma and she's like, my wish for you is to go to my, our family home and burn it down. And he's like, what? <laughs> burn it down. Uh, so instead he decides to, uh, take his assistants and his girlfriend and somebody he meets at mom's funeral because she died. Um, she inv invites herself over and they're looking through the stuff and uh, discovers that, you know, mom's research is alive and Ooh. tentacled Ooh. and possibly his brother and that an evil scientist wants this research for himself. It is a it's an 80s creature feature. Very odd. Um, it has Amanda Pays like I think two years before Leviathan. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Leviathan in, in a way, just because. There's some aquatic, like, marine biology origins to this creature, um, but it's got some great deaths. It's got some moments of, like, what? What? <laughs> I don't understand. You know, somebody sprouts gills, and then they're like, she's dead. Wait, why? What happened? Okay. Yeah, so All right, every time Megan mentions aquatic horror, take a shot. <laughs> yeah! Of apple juice. Or, of apple juice. Or your preferred juice. 
Yeah. Or wherever you're at in the holiday season. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> eggnog. I don't like eggnog. There you go. Um, but you might. What? I know. Do you, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. I like creature features. So, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those. Sometimes when they do these types of releases, you can kind of understand how this got trapped on VHS because it's mm-hmm. not in the upper echelon, right? It's not like, oh my God, this is something that I saw when I was a kid and I love it and I need it, you know, but you're like, yeah, it's cool. I enjoy it. So I don't know where I'm going with that. There you go. (laughs) You're telling us to watch it. Watch it, but you know, keep your expectations in check. Um, Yeah. I didn't quite follow that recommendation last week. (laughs) Did I not tell you it was the weirdest ever? He's talking... It's the weirdest ending ever. Yeah, I I think I sold that. I think I sold that well. I just, I I do. Yeah. Oh, you don't think you it was did. that weird? We're talking about the collar. Yes, the collar. The collar. I think it's still on Tubi. It's yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. It's. I mean, you called it a cat and mouse game, and I'm like, oh, okay, this should be interesting. It is immediately a cat and mouse game where you are not sure. <laughs> What the hell these people are talking about? But that about. is what I said. Okay. I did say it was a cat and mouse I game know. where you are not sure who is the cat and who is the mouse. But I think because I I literally had no frame of reference for anything like what I was about to watch. When you said that, I was like, okay. And then I watched it and I was like, but it's like redefining the concept of what you said in my head. I'm like, this is crazy. It felt like a like a 90-minute version of Tales from the Crypt because it was also campy as shit. But you have <laughs> and, no idea where it's going. It's like there's clearly a psychological no. game. And, yeah. and then it shifts into a completely different subgenre in the final act yeah. that you're not expecting. Like nothing prepared you for that. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd call the resolution satisfying because I don't know what I expected, but yeah. I appreciate so two weeks in a row, the, the, the caller. Swing. Yeah, two weeks yeah, in a row. check it out. Okay. I'll, I guess I need to check this, I check that movie out I need so to. I know what you guys are talking yeah, about. Yeah, weigh in. <laughs> That'll be a Patreon deep dive. Yeah, weigh in and then we'll go into that and John could be like, Megan cannot set up a movie to save her life. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I watched Nightmare <laughs> Alley also, which comes out in theaters on Ooh. December 17th. Uh, nice. It is a new adaptation adaptation of the book. It was a 1946 book that was then ad- adapted in 1947. Uh, it is about a guy. He's very ambitious. He's a carny, Stanton Carlisle. He uh, really, he basically figures out the tricks of the trade of an act um, kind of like a seer fortune telling act and uh, uses that to parlay into a, an act in the city and comes in contact with a woman far more dangerous than he, it is not horror. Uh, There is some overlap there for sure. um, But it's Guillermo del Toro's latest. It's so gorgeous. Um, If you are thinking it's going to be noir, like the 1947 movie, mm, not really. I mean, it is and it isn't just because Guillermo del Toro is far more of a romantic and doesn't quite lend to the cynicism and nihilism of noir. That's oh. that's take it or leave it. I mean, I don't think that if you like Guillermo del Toro, then you'll probably this is this is for you. I do think it's a little long. Um, there are parts where you actually feel it because um, usually length doesn't matter 
a, a movie is as long or as short as it needs to be as long as you can't feel it. Like sometimes you watch a short movie and you're like, that should have been longer. And sometimes you watch a long movie and it should have been shorter. And then sometimes you watch a long movie and you're like, man, that wasn't long enough. Um, so yeah, basically I am on a rambly mood today. Sorry. Um, but yeah. And, and, and horror can claim Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely overlap. Like if you've seen a lot of Guillermo del Toro stuff, he does brutal violence really, really well where you're just like, Oh, I was cringing at one part. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. I, I really liked it. I don't think it's one of my favorite Guillermo's, but really that's not saying anything because there is nothing that he's done that is not good. So, right. Yeah. Nice. I watched, kind of randomly scrolling through Amazon, I found 2021's Untitled Horror Movie, which kind of got me just by the title. A comedy about making a horror movie. When six co-stars learn that their hit TV show is about to be canceled, they decide to shoot their own film, unintentionally summoning a spirit with an affinity for violence. So, the reason, <clears throat> it's not groundbreaking by any means, but and I didn't do any research whatsoever into this, but I have to assume that this, this and host are basically two of the prime examples of shooting a horror movie during a pandemic lockdown, because all six co-stars it basically exists solely over Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or whatever you want to call it. Uh, at no point are two actors ever in the same room, and they kind of and they do a pretty good job of. They don't even call out pandemic. Like they only exist because they think that they're going to be canceled and they're all just kind of FaceTiming with each other, trying to get through it. That's cool. Yeah. I, I thought it was actually a really good vehicle to set up a pandemic movie without pigeonholing it to the pandemic. Like why aren't they all in the same room? They're all pretty terrible people, but in a way that I accept because they're all actors. So I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Like you're a vapid narcissist on. Yeah. Well, it's a TV show. It's fine. No, I'm just like, are you saying that actors are vapid narcissists or. I'm saying it doesn't surprise me when actors are vapid narcissists. Oh, okay. Like, it's not like that's not so jarring to me as just a regular person who's just being super conceited and horrible. It's like, okay, you've got a lot of money and people tell you you're great. So you start to believe it. Okay. Like that. Like, it's not jarring to me when I see that, like when it's a, a person playing an actor who's a jerk. Uh, it's funny. It, there's there's some actually some really funny moments in it. It's just kind of a cute found footage-esque style way of doing things. And I thought just a clever way of doing a pandemic film. Uh, and low barrier of entry if you want to check it out on Amazon. The uh, the director, Nick Simon, he directed um, The Girl in the Photographs. And oh. that's the, um, yeah, it was like one of the last movies that Wes Craven produced. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool, but sad. But okay, I'm sorry. Look at me. Dampening the mood. Not dampening okay. the mood. I already crushed it before you brought it down. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. And you were adding okay. substance to my lack of research. No, you did great. Unlike me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and then I did something... I'm not entirely sure why I watched this. I think it might have stemmed from our previous conversation about the Munsters. I decided to check out 2012's The Lords of Salem, also on Amazon. Heidi, a radio DJ, has sent a box containing a record, a gift from the Lords. 
The music triggers flashbacks of her town's violent past. Is Heidi going mad, or are the lords, an ancient coven of witches, back to take revenge on Salem, Massachusetts? I, I was really starting to think about something that Megan said a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Uh-oh. monsters. I'm in trouble. No, already. this is a good thing. <laughs> No, it's a good thing. Okay. Not all the... I don't throw to you when I'm upset. Do I? <laughs> Listeners, call in and tell me. <laughs> uh, but I, I got to thinking about... When you were talking about... Uh, when Well, when we were talking about the, the set pictures of Rob Zombie's The Monsters and how much flack he gets for Sherry Moon Zombie starring in all of his movies. And the nepotism involved and you calling out, yeah, well, what about Mike Flanagan? What about you? You listed like two or three examples that nobody cares. And I think part of it is what Rob Zombie was already bringing into the transition from what he was as a musician into Hollywood was already fairly big news. And then deciding to use his wife as his main character, I think might've just been jarring for people at first or because they share the same last name, that there's just this strange connection that he can't get away from. So I'm like, well, let me check out Lords of Salem because I've never seen it. Okay. Uh, and I really liked it. It's I don't watch a lot of witchcraft movies. It's very beautifully shot. I think as far as like the movies that I've seen of Rob Zombies, I visually I think I enjoyed Lords of Salem. Not not even think I did enjoy Lords of Salem more than any of his other movies. And I mean, yeah, there's, you have to throw away suspension of disbelief for a couple of two, two fairly big plot points in it, but that's fine because it's a horror movie, but the, the visuals are both brutal and beautiful. There's one part towards the end where it just kind of feels like a Rob Zombie music video for like two minutes. Yeah. But if you can get past that, it's, you know, Sherry Moon Zombie is really good in it. Like yeah. there is, I, I was watching that role thinking, I can't imagine another actress doing that role and me suddenly being like, okay, she did it better. I don't think that role could have been done any better. So the fact that people would give Sherry Moon Zombie crap for being in a Rob Zombie film in this instance, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, she's literally doing exactly what the role is. And there's a beautiful golden retriever in it that doesn't get hurt. I feel, <laughs> I feel it's important to call that out because I got nervous. Yeah, for the puppy. yeah. <laughs> like, Don't hurt him. He's beautiful. Uh, but I really like Lords of Salem and I feel like it didn't, I don't remember it getting a ton of attention. Like, I feel like it really kind of, not necessarily flew under the radar, but I feel like it kind of just fizzled quickly. Yeah. I think that that one is kind of slowly getting a little bit of reappraisal, but a lot of his stuff inspires like a knee jerk like mm-hmm. people people hate it and people did not like her in this one um but i yeah i love i love this one i do feel like it's one of his strongest i don't know if it's my favorite but it's pretty up there um because i'm i'm like devil's rejects personally is but um yeah i i like devil's rejects i started watching 3 from hell today and i'm not sure that i'm going to finish it oh yeah uh, it's just you know, Sid Haig's only in it for like the first five minutes. For and obvious yeah. reasons, sadly. For obvious reasons, yeah. this health. Yeah. yeah, sadly. R.I.P. Sid Haig. But yeah, I don't know. Like watching Lords of Salem, I was like, I'd, it's a I very would watch a lot more movie. Rob Zombie. Yeah. And I think he came out even telling people that. 
Like, I mm-hmm. think he was pretty proud of it, too, if I remember right, him talking about, like, visually and subject matter-wise. Atmospheric, you know, that it's really... Absolutely. It's really good. I really like it. Um, So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think it, also it, the difference is you think about somebody like Mike Flanagan, who is very warm and accessible and kind of mm. entrenched, and then you have someone like Rob Zombie, who he does what he wants and it's he's not making a movie to to please an audience that's like if he's making it kind of for him and if you like it great and if you don't great but you read about some of the stuff like i i remember hearing about uh i cannot remember which one of his movies it was a film premiere and audience q and a's at film film fests are atrocious and somebody specifically was like calling for Sherry Moon to show her body parts, like show us your butt or something. And Rob <laughs> Zombie on stage was like, "Yeah, fuck you." And that's good. Yeah, and that's good, good for him. That that's really good for him. But I think that kind of attitude, which I'm not knocking, like I admire and respect that. But I think that there's a yeah. very different kind of mentality. This kind of aloof rock star. I'm not making art you know, that's widely accessible and I'm fine with that. I think maybe is a little bit different for people and that might factor. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm wildly off base. I'm just kind of speculating about how different personas could factor into reception. Well, and Rob, it's not like Rob Zombie is the first rock star to try and make that transition into making movies, you know, obviously like D Snyder. um, uh, What's his, uh, Glenn Danzig. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. but maybe it's because he got the most attention right out the gate, like, and taking over the Halloween franchise. Like, so it really got like big billing. It wasn't these small independent projects. It was, he got big budgets. He got like a lot of publicity behind it. So he landed under more scrutiny too. Unfortunately, when you're under that lens too, then you have to just, you have to deal with a lot more bullets. But all that said, again, I really like Lords of Salem. Like as, as, not a particularly big Rob Zombie fan. I would definitely mm-hmm. rewatch this. I would. Uh, I would have this at the top of my list for his for sure. Amazing! Yay! Nice. I love that. So I was very happy about that. And witchcraft. So yay! Yay! Witchcraft. Witchy. Okay. Before we move on, what do we watch and how do we watch it? I watched Coming Home in the Dark on Netflix and Thesis, aka Thesis, on DVD. I watched The Kindred on Blu-ray and uh, Nightmare Alley. I got a sneak peek. It's coming out December seventeenth. And I watched Untitled Horror Movie on Amazon and Lords of Salem on Amazon. Oh, and unfortunately, my Vinegar Syndrome DVD has not yet shipped. That's why I did not talk about it. See, my order was placed and being fulfilled. I. In this world of getting things in two days, I assume that was them saying, oh, yeah, we're sending it out. And then I looked, they're like, yeah, it takes a little while. <laughs> I'm like, ah, but I'll get there. I promise. Once it arrives, regardless of what I think of it, I have to talk about it. Okay. Now. Wonderful. Okay. We can't wait. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, what's going on, Megan? Over the weekend, new images and a trailer dropped that gave us a tease at the look of Old Man Leatherface. That's what I'm dubbing him, Old Man Leatherface. <laughs> uh, Netflix made the surprise announcement that the Fede Alvarez-produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a sequel to Toby Hooper's original classic, will be slicing its way onto the streaming service on February 18th, 2022. In the wake of that very first teaser trailer, which you can find on Bloody Disgusting, um, the official logline and synopsis for the new movie has arrived, confirming that next year's Texas Chainsaw Massacre indeed takes place in the present day. Leatherface has been hiding for nearly 50 years, making the movie a decades later sequel. Uh, the synopsis also acknowledges the return of original heroine Sally Hardesty with actress Alwyn Ferrer. Uh, she was in Mandy. She's taking over the role for the late Marilyn Burns. So the new logline and full wow. synopsis is... After nearly 50 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. Melody, Oops. her teenage sister Lila, and their friends Dante and Ruth head to the remote town of Harlow, Texas to start an idealistic new business venture, but the dream soon turns to a waking nightmare when they accidentally disrupt the home of Leatherface, the deranged serial killer whose blood-soaked legacy continues to haunt the area's residents including Sally Hardesty, the sole survivor of his 1973 massacre, who's hell-bent on seeking revenge. So I don't know if either of you checked out the teaser, but it does look like yeah. he's been kind of away from uh, the sawing business uh, until they disrupt him. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like falling off a bike. He'll be good. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he laid low, but we'll find out, won't we? Yay. And, uh, and more horror icon legacy news chucky gets renewed for season two uh don mancini's yeah, yeah don mancini's <laughs> child play based uh chucky series from sci-fi in usa has already been renewed for a second season across all platforms chucky reached 9.5 million viewers in its first season the season finale aired last tuesday on the 30th um Franchise creator Don Mancini said, We're thrilled to start pulling the strings on a second season of Puppet Mayhem with Chucky. Many thanks to our partners at USA, Sci-Fi, and UCP for their incredible support and guidance bringing Chucky to the small screen bigger than ever. And to the fans, Chucky sends his still undying thanks and message. This isn't over. Not by a long shot. You better watch your backs in 2022. So yeah, <laughs> I'm very excited because the series is very fun. It is. And in news that I know for sure Zena and I are thrilled about, I don't know if Zon, uh, John is excited, but hopefully, hopefully, uh, we're finally getting a follow-up to the aptly titled Argentinian horror movie, Terrified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> director Demian Rugna has set up his next horror movie, When Evil Lurks. It is, a uh, it is revolving on timeless horror concepts and adding contemporary twists. And Shudder has taken international rights for, to it. So, yeah, whatever he's doing next, that, that's where we'll be able to find it. Uh, the film unspools in a remote village where two brothers find a demon-infected man just about to give birth to evil itself. I need to back up on that phrase. A demon-infected man about to give birth to evil itself. Yep, need it. At a time when exorcism <laughs> looks to be of little use to ward off evil, after warning the neighbors in town, they decide to get rid of this man, but merely succeed in helping him deliver the inferno. 
so yeah, When the Evil Lurks will be a double challenge for me and the viewer. Complex to stage and very stark for anyone who watches it, Rugna said. Uh, adds producer Fernando Diaz, we're trying to tell a macabre story with an extremely oppressive and realistic atmosphere, but with a frantic rhythm without abandoning a strong narrative. A genuine universe that resignifies the tales of evil and curses, a rural environment on the monotonous plain interrupted by a series of image and extremely lurid sequences. That is a very interesting bunch of words thrown together. Um... Yeah, shooting scheduled to begin March next year, which means that we are not likely to see it until late 2022 at the earliest. Probably 2023 would be my guess. Either way, I have been waiting for his follow-up since Terrified scared the pants off of me, so let's go. Um... <laughs> And then this one, originally announced a couple years back, Universal Pictures has been developing a solo movie for Dracula's henchman Renfield, based on an original pitch from Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman. Chris McKay, who helmed uh, The Tomorrow War on Amazon, he's set to direct the movie with Nicholas Holt on board to star as Renfield. Aquafina has also been cast in an undisclosed role. But obviously the most exciting news here for most people is that Nicolas Cage is going to be playing Dracula. Uh, yeah, plot details are being kept in the coffin, but the project is described as a modern-day adventure story that is comedic in tone. Cage, of course, played a man who believed he was a vampire in the zany comedy Vampire's Kiss, but this will be the first time he's ever actually played the role he seemed destined to play someday. Uh, with the upcoming movie penned by Ryan Ridley, who is behind Rick and, Mortar, Rick and Morty, uh, it's going to be a comedy, clearly, and uh, that means that we could get a wildly over-the-top Nicolas Cage as Dracula, but he might also be a serious like Dracula. We never know. We're not going to know until it comes out. I hope it's maybe a notch above Season of the Witch. Maybe an attempt at an accent. No. I feel like it. it <laughs> I think it'll be funnier if he's not doing an accent. He's just... I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I hope that <laughs> I want him to do both. Can can he can we do a comedic Dracula, but then also let him be a serious bloodsucker too? Like, give me two Cage Dracula movies. Well, isn't there isn't Nicolas Cage one of those actors who someone found a picture or a portrait of someone from like the 16 or 1700s who looks exactly like him? I think so. <laughs> yeah. So I would. Um, I would also appreciate if it's literally just someone who's, aren't you Nicolas Cage? Like, yeah, but I'm actually Dracula. Didn't you, haven't you ever seen those pictures online? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> like, just play it up. Why not? Yeah, it's so hard to tell because it's like Aquafina is clearly a comedian. Nicholas Holt <laughs> can be funny, but it's like, is Renfield going to be the straight man to a very eccentric Dracula? I don't know. But Nicolas Cage is such a good performer, both, you know, when he's completely unrestrained and then when he's like serious acting so i don't know but i'm i'm sold clearly all right listeners your turn can't wait for old man leatherface wondering exactly how nicholas cage or how much nicholas cage is going to be nicholas cage in the new nicholas cage movie about dracula possibly as nicholas cage you just wanted to say confused. cage so many times yeah. as confused about what i just said as i am let's hear about it Numbers 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. Or feel free to email us at bdisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. 
Finally, Zine is going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options. And clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zina, what should we be watching? So, just first, of course, I have to say this. Bloody Disgusting TV, it is available, as well as Screenbox. Okay? Woo-hoo. Yeah. So, coming out Tuesday, the 7th, uh, we have Broadcast Signal Intrusion. It will be available on DVD. And you watched that movie, right, John? I did. I actually own it. Okay, nice. Oh, yeah. That was that gamble, yeah. that rent or buy. Yeah. Okay, there you go. And John liked it, so maybe you might like I it. I liked so- 90% of it. I still need to watch the ending again to figure it out. <laughs> okay. But uh, we also have coming out on Tuesday, Death to Metal. It will be available on VOD. After a freak accident, a disturbed priest is transformed into a mutated killing machine on a mission to wipe out the godless fans of heavy metal music. I just think that it sounds really cool, you know? So just in case if you guys want to check it out, it'll be available uh, by the time this episode is out. And then on Thursday, we have two Shutter movies available. Well, technically just one. I don't know. I, I guess I just wanted to talk about this movie. <laughs> but the first one, <laughs> the first one, Death Valley, uh, will be available. I really like the tagline. It's uh, the mission has gone to hell. So you know it's going to be crazy, you nice. know? Um, it's a Canadian monster movie about a bioengineer and mercenaries who are attacked by a creature in a Cold War bunker. So it sounds pretty cool. And then, I don't know, I, I'm pretty sure I already told you guys about the advent calendar. But I just want to tell you about it again. Watch <laughs> it. the season, right? <laughs> Tis the season! And then on uh, Friday, we just have three movies coming our way. So Friday the 10th, we have Hurt, available on VOD. A soldier reunites with his wife to take um, in the attractions at their favorite Halloween spot. But when the real Tara follows them home, they must fight for their lives or become the next attraction. Sounds awesome. We also have Portal Runner. It will also be available on VOD. A 15-year-old teenager, I mean, clearly 15, Nolan, is blessed with the ability to travel to um, parallel worlds and is cursed to be chased through them by a monstrous evil. When he gets stuck in a parallel world, his sister he's never met, they must they must come together, be allies, and dig deep to destroy the creature before it, it destroys them both. And then last, we have Agnes. It'll be available on VOD. And this one follows two priests who travel to a convent when a nurse, when a nurse, when a nun shows signs of demonic possession. And I love those demonic possession movies. So there you go. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com and the YouTube channel of the same name or at lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards like the ones we're recording right after this, check us out on Patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs> <laughs>